This is Seba, the Southern Fried Witch, and this is episode 19. This is going to be a little bit difficult for me today. I have tinnitus in my ears, and it's literally driving me nuts. Got better just for Christmas Day, so there was that blessing. But it's back, and it's kind of hard for me to hear myself, and I'm hoping that it clears up because I don't think I could live with this. I hope your Yule was wonderful. I hope that you are enjoying this extra minute every day. It was the one night a year that I get to have both of my sons in the house. It's a wonderful feeling to close your eyes and know that pretty much your whole life is sleeping underneath the roof safe and sound and I also got blessed with my son's girlfriend who has become part of our family. And on Christmas Day, I was blessed with hearing some chirping going on underneath my chickens. And we moved Mama and the babies to their own little private place because there's more a-coming. I had three chickens sitting on one pile of eggs. Every one of them wanting to be a mama. So today I got to see those little fluff nuggets, and they look like they belong to sugar who is a frizzle bantam coaching. Looks just like sugar, spun white sugar, and those two little babies look just like her. They're all warm and snuggled, and I have belligerently refused to clean my house for the last couple of days. I worked so hard on keeping it pretty and putting up all kinds of lights and lighting candles and everything looks so wonderful, and it's all these days later and I'm sitting here in my pajama pants. I guess trying to recover from the whole thing. I was so busy I haven't checked my email in a very long time. And when I did, I found a love letter. My very favorite kind of love letter. The kind that doesn't depend on anything. Just needed to be sent. The writer of this love letter is going to be a friend of mine. Her name is Jamie. It looks as if we're the same exact age. Jamie, if you don't mind writing back to me, let me know what month you were born in. Honey, I think we are closer than you think we are. Well, there are a lot of beautiful things in this love letter. But the most beautiful thing, I suppose, is a prayer that Jimmy felt compelled to write. She says, may this be as a gift to you, as your podcast has been to me. And then tells me I could read anything in this letter. I want to tell you right now, Jamie, I want to keep a lot of what you wrote to me for me. I'm going to pull it close, be a little selfish with it. And when I'm sad, I'm going to read it again. So I do want to read the prayer. I will warn you, honey, I am Southern and I'm probably going to fuck it up. But my heart will be in it. Cernanos and Bridget, keep me and preserve me against evil. May mine ancestors reach across the ages to succor and strengthen me, who has been lost for so long. May they not now, nor ere, forsake me. And may I learn to do them honor as their wisdom imparts. 
May my blood remember. May my heart beat with the rhythm of their drums and thrill to their songs. Do not abandon your wayward daughter, who lay under the spell of the white death, a captive of ignorance and forgetting. And if it be not possible to reclaim what was stolen and all that was lost, may they grant me passage back to the source of being and give me peace at last. Only do not shun me or turn me away. For my life is an ache in me, febrile with longing for your justice and weakened by the inequity of those who have sullied the land with their acquisitiveness, unkindness, and jealous hatred of others. My family suffers, and my friends are wounded, yet still they struggle. Those in whose lands I dwell have been laid low, but still struggle on. Those whose ancestors were born here as chattel are blighted, but still struggle on. Those who come here seeking revenge are ill-treated and abused, but still they too struggle on. O my ancestors, and you gods of Eld, who nurtured each other with love and sacrifice, please hear me. Grant me the boon of your wisdom, and see me through this crucible. Though I may go as far as Irshkegel's realm as Inanna, though I must dwell as Persephone in the underworld for a time, grant me your boon and uplift me once more. Thus shall I find the power within me to fight in your honor and tribute to your lives, and my marrow and bones will be yours as my love and life itself. To you I offer up this prayer. Jamie, thank you for sharing that with me and allowing me to share it with everybody else that listens to the podcast. There are so many things that resonate with me here, especially right now at a time of my life where I'm going through some shifts and kind of dealing with all the ghosts of the past. This is what I needed to hear. Absolutely gorgeous. All right, y'all. Well, that kind of brings me around to what I wanted to talk about today, which may not make a lot of sense, at least right off the bat. And that is that everyone I've talked to lately is suffering some kind of winter depression. Now, I don't want to call anyone out on that because a lot of people still have Well, some kind of shame attached to that, and if not that, privacy attached to that. And I want to be honest because we're all friends here and we're all discussing the truth about the situation. There'll be no frosting on these cupcakes. I need to admit to y'all that I'm suffering depression right now myself. As the matriarch of my family, I had to be really busy in the last week or two and As a teacher of a tribe, I was busy there as well and haven't had a whole lot of time to let what was coming up and bubbling up just be here. And I was thinking this morning about this, how we fight depression, and that's a very good thing to do. I'm not trying to get y'all to not fight depression. That's critical at some juncture. But I was kind of posing the question to myself, what if I just let it be for a day or two? What if I just sunk in a little bit and accepted a bit of it? I'm blue. This is the winter. This is hard on me. And then I've got this tinnitus, this ear ringing thing. And 
There's always that extra hit of poverty right after the holidays. And then, of course, there are all those ghosts. I've been holding them back so we could have a beautiful Yuletide and a damn fine Christmas, and I think they're breaking down the door like a bunch of zombies. And that will happen, won't it? Family issues and guilt and hurts and all the things that want to rush in that we hold back. I didn't want those kinds of things to be present when I was trying to love the ones that were here. So I pushed them to the side and I did it mindfully, but now they're flooding in. Oh, and my magic has a way. On top of them all flooding in, it's been interesting lately how many old friends and even old family are coming out of the woodwork. And it's positive. It really is. Because I'm able to kind of exercise a few old things. And I've lost someone who was very close to me a long time ago. That I lost, I think, unduly and unfairly to a different situation. And it's been quite painful that we didn't get to spend the last few years together. But here's the thing. Part of self-care is actually knowing that I'm going through this stuff. And allowing it to be a little sad. You know, when I was struggling with what to talk about today, because I had my head up my ass and I was dealing with so many things, I kept trying to cheer up, force myself to be a little happier, force myself to be more sparkly for y'all, and it just wouldn't come. And so what I've done is I've lit a candle. It is 3.30 in the afternoon, so it's quite scandalous that I also have poured myself a glass of wine, and I'm fighting through the ringing in my left ear to be here with y'all and say that it's okay to be blue. It's okay to cry. What I'm trying to do is baby myself a little bit, as to tell myself things that I would not normally say to myself because I was taught not to love myself. I don't know if you were taught not to love yourself, but if you were, you have to unlearn it. You have to parent yourself, and it's a very hard row. You might as well get busy. Last night, I was trying to go to sleep, and everything was fine. We had the most beautiful holiday ever. Our chirping and some eggs. Things are just beautiful around here. But the pain of loss and all of those ghosts They kind of kept me up a little while and they had some negative things to say. And so to go to sleep, I said things like, you're beautiful, honey. You're good. You're kind. You're loving. It's okay to sleep. I had to be good to myself in a way that I needed to hear when I was a little girl. Now, all of these things I did hear from my grandma. She used to stroke my eyebrows and tell me they were the most beautiful eyebrows she'd ever seen. She was quite fond of everything about me. And she was constantly telling me how worthy and beautiful and wonderful I was. But she's not here anymore, y'all. And I have to do this work for myself now. I think loving yourself, we're taught so hard against it. It's pride, it's vanity, it's narcissism. But those things are quite different than what I'm talking about. Those are very different than self-care. And I want to do another confession, y'all. Sometimes witches forget to witch. 
I think we get caught up in the mundane so easily. And y'all know I'm working on witchifying every damn thing. But it is difficult in this particular climate, in this particular world, to continue to do this kind of work all day, all the time. And before I know it, I've lost touch with that as well. So right in the middle of all this, it hits me. I need to sit. I need to light a candle. I need to speak to my mother goddess. I need to remember what magic really is and let it course through me because y'all, nothing in the world heals like that. You know, I think I told y'all a long time ago, my God, I don't even know what episode one or two, that my favorite book ever and the witchiest book I ever read was The Feminine and the Sacred by Julia Kristeva and Catherine Clement. And that part about the sacred always going in reverse and needing to course through you not to be held or controlled or monitored or forced into dogma, that is this, I think, essential secret to what magic really is. And so when I feel broken, when I feel so blue that I don't think I can come out of here anymore, I breathe in the magic of the trees and I continue to meditate on a candle until I suddenly become, instead of this thing that holds in pain and resentment and wish and desire, and instead becomes the thing that all of those things are running through. Does that make any sense? If the sacred does go in reverse, all that's going to get washed out. And all of that beautiful magic and light's going to get washed in. Guess it sounds a little corny, y'all. That's how I see magic. Honestly, it reminds me so much of giving birth. It's the second you tense up that the pain is worse. It feels so antithetical to a human body to relax in pain. Hell, I reckon it feels antithetical to a soul. But the truth is, is that the more you relax, the more you can ride the wave instead of letting it ride you. And so that's what I'm doing. Um, To be more specific, I've made myself a very healing tea. I'm worried about a lot of things right now. Um, Maybe a sinus infection gone wrong or whatever's gone on with my ear. And so I've been dealing with that. I've got some special oils I'm putting in my ear. And thanks to a dear old friend, I know how to do that properly. I've never had trouble with my ears before. But I've also made myself some hibiscus tea that I grew. And I'm simmering rosemary in a pot to breathe. And by the time this night is over, y'all, I may end up with slices of onions in my socks. I reckon I should explain that to y'all, but I don't feel like it. I was talking to my dear friend Marion, and I wanted to have her on the podcast live, but she's as bad as me about wanting to stay at home all the time and having too many dogs to leave. So what we've done is I've asked her for an excerpt from one of her beautiful books that she was writing a long time ago. She has not finished it. Boy, I wish she would. And I'm going to read that here in a minute, but let me give you the relevance first. We were talking about being Southern and some things we do around here to make ourselves healthy again. 
Now, she studied Chinese medicine and has done a lot of work in that area, but she also remembers all of her southern roots and everything from, I'm sure, plantain being an instant healer. If you put it on a wound, just chew it up a little bit and put it on a wound. To dandelion tea being a great diuretic, great cleanser if you just want to get the toxins out of your body. But to me and multiple others living down here in the deep south, herbology and magic go very hand in hand. We almost feel that if you pull the two apart, that nothing will work. Now, I particularly believe that if I sing to my plants, I'll get more magic out of those plants. It's a very deep relationship between me and them. But I think that everybody feels that way down here. But let me read that in her own words how this kind of thing goes for her. And here it is. When I was just a small thing, my great-grandmother, Gertha Eugenia Blackstock Everett, lived in the back of a store that she had supported her family with since her husband died. The store was next to the old family-built house my parents and I lived in. Since my grandmother, her daughter, my daddy's mother Hallie, had died when daddy was only six weeks old, She was the only grandmother I knew on my paternal side, so I called her what Daddy called her, Grandmother. Grandmother and I pulled wild garlic from the ground and ate the hot, hot bulbs. She said it'd keep me from getting worms, something Mama was worried about constantly because I ran barefooted and played with dogs and hogs and cows instead of with many other children, who probably would have been more likely to give me worms than my animal friends. She also taught me to scrub my teeth, as she called it, with a sweet gum twig. She died in her 80s, having never had a cavity. If I cut myself on a nail or a piece of barbed wire, she poured kerosene from the tank outside her store on the cut. For body aches, we had horse liniment. For colds, whiskey and peppermint and Vicks salve. Although I never knew of anyone in my own family using it, Some of our neighbors ate ginger as a morning-after concoction. I don't think it worked, though, judging from the number of children they had. What did seem to work was the asafoetida resin she sold in her store. Once I smelled it, I figured out why. Worn around one's neck on a black shoestring, it would keep germs at bay due to its stench, thereby helping its wearer avoid contagious illnesses. It smelled so bad that some folks called it devil's dung. One more thing that Eugenia did that has stayed with me always is that after her beautiful thick hair turned white, she dyed it red using a strong, strong brew of tea. And these are the small things I remember from my childhood, but they are also the things that led me to study traditional Chinese medicine and homeopathy and resist taking a ride on the mad merry-go-round run by the pharmaceutical giants that is now called Western Medicine. I asked her if she had anything else to add, and I do believe that she added one more thing, and here it is. I might also add that I don't have chicken pox scars, because I stood in an ancient soul's hen house and let a chicken fly over my head when I had chicken pox grew up with these beliefs woven into my life. Y'all, that's the first part of what she sent me. And I reckon all I have to say to that is, well, so did I. 
I remember when I was a little girl, if I even said something like, I hate them, I wish they were dead, and I was precocious, and that would have happened quite a lot, my grandma would immediately spit on the ground and tell me to take it back, take it back, take it back. I had to take it back three times. I don't know that my mother ever knew some of the things that my grandma would do with me. And that was probably the right way to go. Otherwise, we both could have been in trouble. But I do remember the whiskey and honey and lemon. Every time I got a sore throat, or quite honestly, if she just thought I looked a little fevered. When I think about those little kisses I used to get on boo-boos, and I know a lot of people got those, but I reckon my grandma really did believe they would heal. And you know what's weird is, against all science, because we know saliva is nasty as hell, they did. Y'all, my son was just deathly ill um, about a year ago. I have to resist the urge to spit at the ground and ward the curse off right now, but I am going to knock on wood. It was so severe that he wasn't able to eat or drink or hold his head up, and the pain in his stomach was just unbelievable, unbearable. None of the doctors knew what it was. We tried all the medicine. We went the complete whole route. And at the end of it, somewhere about seven days in, and he was a grown man, I became so upset that nothing was working. No Western medicine was working. And I really do believe that we ought to give our kids a a choice. I don't think it's fair for me to say to him, hey, mama wants to do juju over you, honey, unless he was okay with it. But by that time, he was hurting so bad, he didn't care if I had a full voodoo priest over here. So I ran outside and... I'd always been taught that rosemary pulls out negativity, pulls it right out of your body, and when it's dark and brown and crunchy, it's done its job, and you can go burn it or throw it in a flowing river or creek. So I got a bunch of those, and I put them around him, and I charged a crystal that I trust, and I know that sounds new age, but honey, I was going to do anything I could. And I put that at his feet to pull it out. And I got my secret herbs that I'm not going to talk about on air. And I put them in a tea. And I begged and pleaded until I could get them down him. And then I hovered my hands over him. And I did the damn best job I could with a spell. This whole room was full of herbs. (laughs) It was full of magic and grandma's ancestors and everything in this red clay south I could muster up to heal my son. It took about six hours and the next day he was on his feet and he could hold down water for the first time. So it's not that I don't think western medicine can't do a thing or two. Hell I know it can. It's just that sometimes I think it needs a little help. You know from big mama. And in my estimation, you cannot divorce herbology and the magic and the medicine away from witchcraft. It won't happen. It's all the same kind of thing. With that being said, I do want to play Marianne's little blurb, her excerpt as she calls it, out of her unfinished book. 
And y'all, if you get an opportunity to comment or write in to seba at southernfriedwitch.com or want to comment underneath my Facebook page on this, and could y'all please encourage Miss Marion Carcacci to finish this beautiful work of fiction. I would just love that. But without further ado, let me introduce to you one of the best friends I've ever had on the planet, one hell of a gypsy sister, and the most Southern writer I've ever had the opportunity to share tea with. This is Marion, and she's going to read from that unfinished work. Hey, Seba. This is Marion. I'm going to send you this excerpt on the off chance that it's not too late. And assuming that it's not too late, I want to thank you for making me a part of your wonderful podcast. Here's the excerpt. Eugenia was thrilled to wake up the next morning and find Reynard and me curled up together on a blanket in the kitchen near the hearth. She had always taught me to respect the natural world because that is where the gift originates, where life originated, where the cures for all sicknesses reside. After that morning, she paid a lady from across the river in Georgia to make me a red cape with a hood and began to talk to me about the art of healing. Always remember, she told me, the body is healed from the inside outward, and most diseases come from within, not from outside. And then she added, but never underestimate meteorological and telluric influences. What shocked me was not what she said, but the fact that I'd never heard Eugenia use words like these before. Before the year was over, I knew how to make tinctures, salves, and healing syrups. I also knew the day would come when I would cease to be invisible. Thank you so much, Marian. That was beautiful, and I feel honored that I could read that on my particular podcast because it's above my head, that kind of writing. Y'all, Marion has published several other things, and most notable to me is The Moon and the Stars, as well as The Tongues of Men and Angels by Solomon and George Publishers. She's done other work, but I'm going to keep it specifically to these two. Look her up. She's fantastic. You know, magic comes in a lot of forms, and one form it came for me in was this beautiful human being being my office mate for so long. To end up having her as a lifelong friend, well, that's like treasure. I love you, Marion. Well, I reckon we're going to keep it short today, as I can hardly hear myself, and it's making it rather difficult to talk. And my butthead rooster has a lot to say in the background. Sorry about that. But I'm very excited about my two new little Christmas chicks. They are so cute. And no, that's not the daddy. He just wants to eat more corn. And I'm not letting him have any more today. I want to tell y'all I've had a horrible time leaving that new mama alone. I'm so concerned making sure that there's food there and that she has a lot of fresh places to sleep and then I found myself overly worried about whether or not she was going to show those chicks where the water was and I just walked away. At some point we've just got to let a thing be what it is. And so today it started to rain and the house is messy and I'm not in danger of becoming overly sad but I'm feeling the sadness of this particular season. I'm feeling the losses. I'm feeling the blue. 
The rest of my day is going to look like a cinnamon hot toddy and listening to the rainfall and a nice long hot shower and absolutely nothing but self-care. And this is the kind of thing we have to do to accept that the house is going to be a mess. To accept that we couldn't instantly be happy the way we were supposed to be, according to everything on the internet. While I will always agree that to be a witch means to be an agent of change, I also know that while we're always changing, we need rest. We need rest from our own heads. We need peace. Just like the oak tree that's asleep right now, we're going to have to generate some energy pretty soon to be able to be with the seasons and be with that next huge spurt of growth. But I've almost pushed myself too far. And so today's episode's not going to go past this little bit. And I hope y'all hang in there with me. I want to go ahead and note that everything I've heard from y'all is that I have a lot of introverts listening to me. And that's just fine. I am going to keep on asking that you write in and let me share your thoughts. Let me share your questions because, well, there are a lot of lonely witches out there. And there are a lot of new witches out there. We're not so much in the business of teaching around here. But I'm hoping that we're in the business of sharing. So if you have a thought, it may take me a little while to get around to it. But I promise you, it will not get forgotten. I hope y'all ring in a beautiful new year. Don't forget, treat yourself very well. You're your best friend, as it should be. Love y'all. Y'all have been listening to the Southern Fried Witch Podcast. Come back around next week for a little bit more magic from the Deep South.